but today's message is entitled The Pursuit of True Worship. Um, the Pursuit of True Worship. And this is so important in um, you know, our, our walk with Christ because so many times when it comes to worship, people don't know why they're worshiping. They're just here to fulfill an errand or here to fulfill something off their to-do list, right? This is something that, this is one of the chores I have to do as a Christian from now on, you know? And this is so much more than a chore. This is so much more than just going through the motions. Um, but we need to ask ourselves here today, what are you pursuing in worship, right? So let's start off with this question. What is worship? <laughs> and this is so important because we need to understand that worship is our time spent with God. And it's in this time that we spend with God, we're trying to learn what he is trying to reveal through the word today. Yes, I am the pastor and preacher, um, but it's beyond just me. We're looking at the word of God together and seeing what God is trying to show you through the message today. I'm just merely a messenger. I'm not here to be some, you know, uh, I don't know, <laughs> someone that just tells you what to do, <laughs> but someone to point the way, right, to, to Jesus so that you can hear from him through the word today. So what are you pursuing in worship is the next question. And this is something that if we don't have clear, then we are doing just an errand. We are just doing something to check this checkbox in our list to do for the week. And there's no power behind that. But true worship is actually something that takes place outside of the church where we hear and receive the word at church but it's the continuation of that word into our week that actually matters. If we are just here to hear the word and it just ends here, we're missing the point. We're missing almost everything, if you think about it. In today's passage, this is what we're seeing. Jesus, he is eating together with all the sinners, all the tax collectors and during this time, tax collectors were looked upon as traitors to their own people because they're taxing their own people on behalf of the Roman Empire. And this was looked upon as like petty and messed up because on top of them collecting money from their people, they took extra because that extra went into their pockets. Yep. <laughs> so they were living the high life working for Rome. And this is uh, so they were looked upon as sinners and they were hated by uh, the Pharisees and the Jewish people in general, uh, even though they too were Jews. But it was to these sinners that Jesus went and, and spoke to. And it's here that we see God uh, in Jesus Christ really show us today what is really important. So what is very important that we need to see here today is this. We need to see God's heart for the field. Um, if we don't see God's heart for the field, then we are missing out on what God is really trying to show us. Um, let me, okay. So in verses nine and 10, we see Jesus actually encountering this tax collector named Matthew. And Matthew eventually be, would become the guy that actually writes the gospel of Matthew. 
So this guy was a smart guy and he was, uh, you know, collecting taxes on, on behalf of Roman. When Jesus said to him, follow me, he left, he just left his tax booth and followed Jesus. And not only did he follow Jesus, he went to a meeting and brought all his tax collecting friends <laughs> with them. And then th that was where they encountered Jesus. And that's what we see here today. Jesus went to the field. He wasn't the type of guy that said, you guys come to me. <laughs> he actually went to them. And this is something that the church is missing a lot of times. And especially in immigrant churches, this is very missing <laughs> because of the nature of being an immigrant, right? We're in a country that is not ours. We're in communities that are not from our ethnicity. And we're just in our own pockets of communities. So they say Sunday is the most segregated day of the week because Korean people go to Korean church, Spanish people go to Spanish church, African-Americans go to African-American churches, et cetera, right? And this, this is a problem. Not that there are multi-nation you know, nation type of churches, but the problem is that we are stuck in our bubbles. That's the problem. Jesus, he stepped out of what the people were uncomfortable in doing. The Pharisees would never go to these people. And thus, these people never thought that the gospel was made for them. But Jesus went to them. And what he did was he brought the content of worship, the gospel, to a field that did not know him. And he gave them an answer that they were looking for. Money couldn't solve it, right? All the money that they collected on their own behalf couldn't solve this. This is something I want you to think about. We can trick ourselves. We can trick ourselves mentally. We can trick ourselves even emotionally. And we can kind of trick our bodies too, physically. But we can't trick and deceive our soul. Our souls cannot be tricked. And what do I mean by that? It means that our, our, our life is more than just money, fame, career, what you have and what you don't have. Because people have all those things, but still they're not happy because our life was not made for that, to live for those things alone. We we're made to live for Christ alone. And all these things are just, you know, extra, extra on top that God has blessed us with. We can't trick our souls. Our souls need God. Our souls need Christ. And no matter how much we have, it's not enough to satisfy our body. That's why some, you know, the people that say, oh, happiness is just a chemical in your brain, you know, <laughs> That's why so many people are on drugs because they're trying to feel happy, but in a very artificial way. And even if they're happy, guess what? That's not the answer. We're more than just a bag of chemicals and bones and 
you know, water. <laughs> we are spiritual beings. If you look at things as is for what they really are, you start to see what is real and what isn't. We need to know what our soul really and truly needs. So what did Jesus bring to them? And this is a message that I share so many times, but he brought to them the answer to this fundamental problem of separation, sin, and Satan. That yes, in the beginning, we see Adam and Eve, and they take of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they take of it thinking that they will be like God because that's what Satan tempted them with. For those who are part of our Wednesday Bible study, <laughs> you would know this very well. And it was, through that, it was through that sin that they were, humanity became separated from God. They became uh, emptied of the glory of God. The glory of God is what covered them. And they fell to sin. And it was in sin that they lost that intimacy with God. They used to walk with God every day, talk with God. And they lost that because of sin and fell under Satan's authority listening to his narrative to destroy humanity rather than the narrative that God had created for humanity for life. But alas, God did not want us to remain here, right? He sent his son, Jesus Christ. Even in the beginning, in Genesis 3.15, we, we actually see the first gospel message. God gave a promise saying that he would, that the offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. Yet the serpent will strike at the heel of this offspring. And this is talking about the coming Christ. Isn't that crazy? Right after humanity fell into this problem, Jesus right away gave them the gospel. And it's in this gospel found in Jesus Christ that we find an answer for he came as the prophet, priest, and king because Jesus is his name, but Christ is actually a title meaning Messiah. But what does Messiah mean? It means anointed one. And it's three, these three positions that are anointed by God that the Christ was to fulfill. He's supposed to come as the prophet who made the way for the people who had no way. He was to be the one to wash away sins as the priest and one who has authority over Satan as the king. And this is who he came as to destroy the works of this fundamental problem of humanity. This is a problem that everyone faces. If you're human, you have this. <laughs> but how are you going to solve this is the question. And this solution is found in Christ and Christ alone, where he resolves these issues of separation, sin, and Satan. So it's for this reason that we see God, he is displaying his heart, right? Jesus is displaying his heart for the field that is around him, sharing this gospel message to people that were being ignored by the Pharisees. Our second point here is, Service level versus surface level versus deeper level. You see, the Pharisees only saw the surface level stuff, right? They judged Jesus saying, um, why is your teacher eating with those sinners? 
is he stupid right <laughs> is he like dull like if he is the messiah he should know who they are and he should be kicking them out what's so sad is this is the heart of so many churches today when it comes to sinners you know who they are kick them out But Jesus hearing this says what? It's not those who are well that are in need of a doctor or a physician, but it's those who are sick. He was there to give them the answer to find healing, right? From this fundamental problem. There was no way, but Jesus became the way for them. And this is something that I want us to really think about, you know? There is tradition and there is the gospel. We need to separate the two. Because a lot of times where we get confused is that we mix the two. Tradition is the gospel, but that's not true. I always give like the, it's not the best example, but growing up in a Korean immigrant church, like greeting your elders was such a huge thing. And if you didn't, you'll be looked upon as evil <laughs> or you know a misfit um and those who did they were like, oh yeah <laughs> they'll be they'll be patted on the head very well right but what eventually happened was that became a thing where it's like if i didn't then i'm a sinner <laughs> if i didn't greet my elders then god doesn't love me you know and it's like, okay, is that the gospel? No. Is that tradition? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying don't do tradition. <laughs> Greet your elders, okay? <laughs> but we need to know the difference between the gospel and tradition. Because we end up fighting over things that have nothing to do with the gospel. And we lose both, right? Right? We lose tradition and the gospel, but more importantly, we lose the gospel thinking that, oh, I hate that, you know, but what we're actually hating is something that came from tradition rather than what the Bible shows as the gospel. And we need to differentiate the two so we can hold on to what is really needed to save our fields. This is the difference between surface level and that deeper spiritual level that we need to differentiate when it comes to just interacting with people. Because if you just look at face value, we miss a lot of times what God is trying to show us. And this is something that God wants us to be aware of. This gospel, this, this, what we're reading through in scripture, is not just made for Christians. It's so that we can see reality and see how this word interacts with reality so we know what is real. What is worth living for? What is worth dying for? What is, what, what is our soul responding to that makes it come alive? Because it doesn't matter if we have plenty or less. I mean, Christ is not only in us, but we're enjoying Christ in our lives. We start to know, hey, some of these things that the world says is very important is not so important after all. And though I'm in a problem, it's okay because there's a plan behind it 
because of my identity as a child of God. So what we also see in this passage, verse 13, is God's desire. It says that God desires mercy and not sacrifice, right? So how can we understand that? We can see it as this, enjoying our identity versus earning our identity. Uh, This is an example that I've shared before, but if my son came to me and said, hey, dad, I can't be your son today. I messed up too much. (laughs) memo (laughs) what would I do I'll be like smack him upside the head and say I'm your dad no matter what right what's wrong with you (laughs) first I was like (laughs) why would you even say that like what did you do (laughs) But, but that's the thing my son is my son you know no matter what he does and my daughter, yes, she's pointing at herself. I don't know if you wanted to be part of this example, but yes, if my daughter came to me and said, Dad, I can't be your daughter anymore, that would break my heart, you know? And this is what we're doing to God every day, you know, saying, eh, God, I don't think I met the mark today. I can't be your child. I don't deserve your mercy. I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve anything. So guess what we do? We don't turn to him at all. So what do we try to do? We er try to earn our way back to God. We try to, God, I did all this. Do you love me now? If a child did that for their parents, mom and dad, I did all this. Do you love me now? That child's going to have some issues. (laughs) That child's going to have some problems with their identity. This is not a healthy identity, a healthy relationship then. Our relationship with God needs to be one of trust, that we trust what he did for us is true for us. So then we can start enjoying the identity that we have received in grace. That's the thing. We have to accept grace. But a lot of times we're just like, I don't deserve it, so no. But that's the problem. There's no power when Christ is not even in the picture. How do you expect to overcome your sin? By your own strength? (laughs) By your own merit? That's why we are where we are in the first place. We need God's grace so that we can overcome our sins, so that we can overcome our circumstances, so that we can find answers, real answers for our real problems. Why? Because Jesus came for those who are sinners, not for the righteous. Because if you think you're righteous, you don't need Jesus. If you think you're all right, <laughs> everything's fine and dandy, you're not a sinner, every, then you don't need Jesus. But we have to understand our spiritual state. We have to understand the state of humanity that we are sinners. And due to that, we need a savior because we can't pay the debt of sin. Because sin, the wages of sin is what? Death. And we only have one life. 
right? YOLO. <laughs> you only live once, guys. Yep. <laughs> but not the meaning of YOLO that people in the society uses it for. You have one life. And because you have one life to live, what are you going to do with it? Can you pay off your sin with this one life? How many sins did you commit in the past half hour, you know, through your thoughts and through your thinking or maybe not thinking? Or <laughs> Can you pay for that? You know, can you pay for your sins? How many lives do you have? You only have one. So we have this debt that we can't pay with our own strength or with our own merits. No matter how much good I do, it can't produce another life. There's no one-ups in real life, right? That will be kind of cool if you did, if there was. But unfortunately, uh, there's none. Um, and this is our reality that we live in. So we need to know our spiritual state. So how can we start working towards seeing, right, what the meaning, what the pursuit of true worship is? We need to imprint ourselves with the word of God because we've been imprinted with so many incorrect things, our past, our past scars, right? Our uh, past broken relationships, our past, you know, um, failures, we hold on to these things more and we let those failures define or those scars define who we are today to the point where we become so comfortable with our scars that if those scars aren't there, we feel like something's missing. <laughs> but then we complain, oh, you know, these scars, you know. <laughs> but it's in the word that we find healing. So how can we uh, hold on to the word throughout the week. I want to challenge everyone here today with this. If we can boil down today's sermon in one word, write it down somewhere, you know? And hold on to that word throughout the week. Because this is what is so important for us to hold on to is something related to the word of God. Because if we don't, we can't confirm, we can't... Uh, <laughs> you know, scientifically, you know, <laughs> confirm the word of God if we're not even holding on to the word of God. So I want to challenge everyone here today. What is your one word, right? Because that's when we can start having a deeper prayer. A prayer that can really change the very roots of our lives where our source of strength is not coming from the things of the world that are temporary, but from the eternal word of God. And then we're also able to actually concentrate and have our very nature change. Because we have a hard time concentrating at all because we have boom <laughs> and we have worries and we have job and we have all these different things. Right, we gotta catch up on our shows and all that stuff, and YouTube, you know, content creators and all this stuff, and we can't concentrate today. I think that's kind of the problem with our society today is that we can't concentrate. There's like fifty burning fires like 
just one foot in front of us and beyond that is more fires and how can we focus so when we start the day with the word of god right if anything with that one word and praying holding on to that being able to focus on something so that you can actually concentrate on the plans that god has prepared for you this is important for us to see so as we pursue worship pursue true worship uh, let us really ask ourselves who is the main figure who is the main character of our worship if it's you then you're gonna have a problem <laughs> because a lot of times we fail ourselves because we are very limited right with our strength energy time everything is limited if we try to measure ourselves and eventually there's a you'll run out of yourself to carry yourself as the center of worship. It might be even family too. And, you know, it's very precious and very, you know, there's a lot of uh, worth to that. But if we make family our center of worship, that too runs its course, unfortunately. We don't live forever. And what we give to one another is not forever. Our center of worship has to be Christ and Christ alone. Our pursuit of worship has to be Christ and Christ alone. Because then he gives us the grace to take care of family, to love our family, to love our friends, to love the people in our field. And it's when we're connected to God that we start to have a heart for even our workplaces where, you know, it's like, I don't want to love my workplace. You know, <laughs> I hate to my workplace. Some people might feel this way. But we have to see God's plan. And that starts with God's word as we start to know his heart more and more. So let us really, today, as we hold on to God's word, just like we see in today's uh, passage, pursue true worship. In Christ, he shows it by going to the sinners, talking with them, eating with them, by sharing good news with them. Uh, let's pray, holding on to today's word. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for your love and grace. And we just pray, Lord God, that you would continue to fill us, Lord God, so that we may pursue what is really true worship. Let us not hold on to traditions of man as the gospel, but Lord, help us to see the gospel for face value. Lord, um, help us to see that you are the Christ, son of the living God, and that there is no other in which we can find salvation there is in no other that we can find strength for our day-to-day -day. we thank you and we love you in jesus name we pray amen